All right. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 this morning. We are so blessed to have a sermon that was preached from the very lips of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, recorded for us on the pages of Scripture. And we're in Matthew chapter 6 this morning. Lord, I pray as we open your word that your word today would be as fresh as the day you first uttered them on that mount as people gathered to listen. I pray, Lord, that your word would fall fresh on our ears and we'd have ears to hear, hearts to receive. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the first part of Matthew chapter 6, we've moved into this section of the sermon where Jesus is speaking of specific disciplines that we are to be engaged in as his people. What disciplines to keep, how to keep them, and what motivates you in participating in these disciplines. So last week, Jesus spoke about the discipline of financial giving, charitable giving. In our text this morning, he speaks about the discipline of prayer. Prayer. So let's look and see what he says about it. Verse 5, Matthew chapter 6. He says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you've shut your door, pray to your father who's in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of. Before you ask him. Now I want you to notice first that prayer is an assumed responsibility. Jesus expects all of us as his people to be men and women of prayer. In verse 5 he says when you pray not if. Verse 6 when you pray not if. Verse 7 when you pray not if. We are expected to pray. As God's people, that is the assumed responsibility for us. Martin Luther says, As it is the business of tailors to make clothes and cobblers to mend shoes, so it is the business of Christians to pray. So we are to pray. But I want you to think this morning of the incredible privilege that we have to pray. 
Prayer, simply put, is direct, personal communication with God. It's you talking to God. It's you pouring out your heart to God. And it's been made possible out of an intimate relationship that you have with God through faith in Jesus Christ. You put your faith in Christ Jesus. You become a child in the family of God. God is your heavenly father, and you get to talk to him. Think of that. You get to speak directly with the creator of all things, the one of whom it says nothing is impossible for him. The things that God can do in you and through you and around you, The Almighty One. You know, it's really hard to get an audience with somebody who's in a position of power. Try to get an appointment with the president or a senator or a governor or even a mayor, even a council person. And yet think of this. You have open access to the most powerful being in existence. Always, 24-7, you don't have to make an appointment. There's no waiting in line. When you dial in heaven, you don't get put on hold and have to listen to that crazy music, right? You always have access to God. He is available for personal one-on-one time with you giving you his full attention anytime you want. Think of that. We get to pray to a God who knows all things. He's omniscient. He knows everything about you. He knows what he wants to accomplish in you and through you. He knows all the intimate details of your life, your struggles, your challenges, your joys, your aspirations. He knows All the dots in life that he wants to connect for you. All wisdom. You get to speak to him. You get to talk to him. And and I really want to emphasize this this morning. If you're a born-again Christian, you have direct access. You don't have to go through a priest or a pastor or a saint or Mary you get to go to God for yourself. Jesus has made that possible for you. Think of the privilege. You know, as we're talking about the discipline of prayer this morning, I hope you don't leave this morning with a guilt trip thinking, oh, i got to pray more. I've really been slacking in my prayer life. I pray you leave thinking I get to pray. Wow, I have direct one-on-one access to the Lord of heaven and earth. Prayer is a privilege. Think of that resource. So we should definitely be taking advantage of that. We should be praying. Not out of some legalistic trip 
but because we have access to our Heavenly Father. Now, Jesus mentions a few things that we should avoid when it comes to prayer. Number one, don't ever pray to be seen by others. Do not ever pray in public to impress other people, to get the attention from other people. In verse 5, Jesus says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Another word for that is the pretenders. It's a word that means those who put on masks, those who do theater. Jesus, as you know, was speaking about the religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, the priests. Those guys were all extremely proud of their piety. And they loved to display that before people. They loved to be admired for how religious they were. They never went anywhere unless they were dressed in their religious robes with their tassels and their phylacteries and the smell of holy anointing oil upon them. They loved it when people pointed at them and stared and said, look, there's Rabbi so-and-so. As we studied last week, they loved to show publicly everybody how much they gave. Look how much I give. And they loved that applause. And Jesus said here they loved, as it says in verse 5, they loved to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets. Oh, public prayer. That was their favorite. Public prayer was showtime. They loved it. Said they would pray in the synagogues. You know, they had the synagogue services every week on the Sabbath day. And there was always a time for prayer, public prayer, and people would be invited to come forward and pray publicly. And according to Josephus, they would make a big show of it. You imagine them coming right here before the altar and and wait a dramatic pause for everyone to be quiet. And then raise their hands. Pray this beautiful, flowery, articulate prayer. Amen. Open the eyes to see all these faces of admiration. They love that. They love to pray on the street corners. You know, if you go to a Muslim city, or maybe you've seen this on TV, there's five calls to worship for the Muslims. And you'll hear the call on public PAs. We get that when we go to Israel at the old city of Jerusalem. And they're supposed to pray publicly towards Mecca five times. For the Jews, it was three times a day. 9 a.m., noon, 3 p.m. You were to pray wherever you were at those hours. So if you're on, you know, at the mall or at a busy place, the time of prayer came on and you would pray. And these guys love that time. They'd stand and, and speak this long, flowery prayer. 
I wouldn't put it by them. I'll bet they timed it so they were at the busiest parts of the marketplace when it was time to pray because it was the biggest show. Jesus said, yeah, yeah, don't pray like that. Don't pray like the hypocrites. Now, there are some that believe that Jesus is banning all public prayer in this passage. You can never speak or pray out loud. That is not the case. The early church practiced public prayer. The church got together and people prayed out loud. They prayed for things. We should have public prayer. There's nothing wrong with praying from a pulpit or praying in a prayer meeting. Jesus did not ban public prayer. He banned ostentatious public prayer. When you pray in in public, don't do so to draw attention to yourself. The hypocrite is the one who's really not praying to God. They're, in a sense, praying to themselves or praying to the audience for the admiration of that audience. Don't do that. You know, I've noticed, don't, don't, you don't have to get dramatic. Have you noticed that some Christians have a prayer voice? You can be talking to them totally normal. And then when it's time to pray, they start talking in King James. <laughs> Thou this. Or maybe they start trembling, quivering. Yeah, you don't have to talk to God like that. You can use your own voice. You don't talk to other people like that. What if you used your prayer voice with your wife? She'd say, stop it, honey. You're scaring the kids. Quit that. Remember, whenever you're praying, you're talking to God. And come humbly and be honest and real. Notice what else Jesus says in verse 7. This is important. He says, when you pray, do not use vain repetitions. Vain repetitions. Don't prattle. Don't babble. Don't pray the same things over and over and over again until they lose all of their meaning. Vain repetitions, it's an interesting Greek word, bata logeo. Logos, words. Batis was a king of Cyrene who was a stutterer. He stammered. He was also an author of many tedious, long-winded, wordy poems that went on and on and on and basically became unreadable. You couldn't get through them. Jesus says, don't ever pray like that. Vain repetitions. You know, I mentioned how the Jewish people, they would pray three times every day. A lot of times it was the same prayer over and over. The same liturgical prayer 
over and over and over. You know, the Jews still, even to this day, they're required to recite the Shema. First thing in the morning, last thing before bed. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God. And they recite that in other passages every morning, every evening. And eventually it just becomes sort of something that you do on autopilot. Vain repetition. I think there's lots of examples. Beware of the formulaic liturgical prayers. I think of the Catholic rosary. Fifty Hail Marys? Jesus said, don't pray with vain repetition. I think of Protestant liturgical prayers. There are some liturgical services where the person gets up and reads a prayer, the prayer of that Sunday on the calendar. And they just pray through it. You know, next week we're going to be studying the Lord's Prayer. Some people have turned the Lord's Prayer into vain repetition. Something that you just pray all the time. You're going to find out Jesus didn't say to pray exactly that way. He gave us a pattern. We teach our children, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. That's great for little kids. But you've got to graduate from that. You know, it's Valentine's Day this Tuesday. Guys, what if you first thing in the morning on Valentine's Day you said to your wife, roses are red, violets are blue, sugar is sweet, and so are you. What if you said that every Valentine's Day? What if you said that every anniversary as well? What if you said that every day? She gets sick of it. She'd start saying to you, roses are red, violets are blue, onions stink, and so do you. (laughs) You got to mix it up, guys. Does God like your babbling? Is that prayer that's coming from a true dynamic relationship with your Heavenly Father? Jesus said, don't pray that way. He also says there at the end of verse 7, For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Jesus said, you don't have to use a lot of words. You don't have to have long-winded prayers. You know, a lot of people think that. They think the longer they pray, the more obligated God is to answer their prayer. The Jewish rabbis even said that in the days of Jesus. Rabbi Levi said, whoever is long in prayer is heard. Another rabbi said, whenever the righteous make their prayer long, their prayer is heard. And those who have to listen to a prayer like that sleep, right? doesn't have to be long. Jesus said, don't use many words. It's been said, never use a gallon of words to express a spoonful of thought. That's a good piece of advice in all of our conversation, right? But especially with your heavenly father. You know, there's a lot of pagan religions. A lot of, he says, 
that the heathens, they pray like that. There's a lot of pagan religions that will pray over and over certain things, many words in order to get their God to hear. Jesus said, we we don't pray like that. I remember the story of the showdown on Mount Carmel. Do you remember that story between Elijah and the prophets of Baal? Elijah challenged them to a little contest. They put altars together and Elijah said, let's call upon our gods and whoever calls down fire from heaven, that's the one true God. And so the prophets of Baal went first. And the scripture says that they called on Baal from morning to noon. Many, many words. Nothing happened. So then they began dancing around their altar and cutting themselves, trying to get the attention of their God. Elijah was ruthless, you remember. He said, maybe your God's on vacation. Maybe he's sleeping. You got to wake him. Then it became Elijah's turn. Here's the prayer that Elijah prayed. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I'm your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their backs to you again. (sighs) Fire fell. It's not many words. It's not vain repetition. Prayer should be honest, real, and open. Jesus said, don't Pray to be seen publicly. Don't use vain repetitions. And don't use many words thinking that that'll make you more heard in heaven. How should we pray? Look at verse 6. Jesus says, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to the Father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now again, this isn't banning public prayer. But I do believe that Jesus is saying the bulk of our praying should be secret. Private. Just you and your heavenly father. Jesus says, go into your house, go into the inner room of your house, shut the door, and pray. Find a place in private. Find that secret place and meet with God. Now, this doesn't have to be in your house. It's anywhere that you can find that alone time with God. You know, you read the Gospels and Jesus many times would go off by himself where? Up on the hillside. Away from the crowds. Away from the people. Out in nature. 
and he'd meet with his father. Backyard. Beautiful spot on the porch. I know a lot of Christians who love to do a walk in the early morning. It's a prayer walk. They walk and talk with their heavenly father. Now, if you've been a Christian, you can't be Christian long until you hear about this thing called the quiet time. And this is something that all the Christians are encouraged to have a quiet time with the Lord. What, what that means that you, you take moments in your day to spend time with your heavenly father and there's prayer in my quiet time. I also do Bible reading. So I'm going through the Bible systematically reading through it. I try to read through the Bible every year. And and I'm just having that alone time with my heavenly father. He's, we call it a quiet time. Actually, it's, it's a very noisy time. Because God will speak to you through his word. And then you can speak to him in prayer. There's dialogue There's communion. There's relationship. I would strongly encourage you, as a born-again Christian, to have those quiet times. Those times in the secret place where you're spending time with your Lord. And then in those quiet times, Jesus would say, pray honestly, pray openly. Pour out your heart to the Lord. Prayer really is about communing with God. Jesus said, do not be like them in verse 8, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Well, if that's true, why pray? If your heavenly father already knows all the things you need before you ask of them, why pray? Because prayer is not about bringing a shopping list to God. Where you ask for all these different things. True prayer is meeting with God. God wants to speak to you. God wants you to bear your heart and soul to him. He wants to meet with you and minister to you. I love how one person put it. Tell God all that is in your heart. As one unloads one's heart, its pleasures, and its pains to a dear friend. Tell him your troubles that he may comfort you. Tell him your joys that he may sober them. Tell him your longings that he may purify them. Tell him your dislikes that he may help you to conquer them. Talk to him of your temptations that he may shield you from them. Show him The wounds of your heart, that he may heal them. Lay bare your indifference to good, your depraved taste for evil, your instability. Tell him how self-love makes you unjust to others, how vanity tempts you to be insincere, how pride disguises you to yourself and to others. Tell him all those things. If you thus pour out all your weaknesses, needs, troubles, joys, dreams, there will be no lack of what to say. You will never exhaust the subject. It's continually being renewed. Blessed 
Blessed are they that attain to such familiar, unreserved communion with God. Which, by the way, is available to every single one of us. Every morning, every day. It's not just for pastors. It's not just for full-time Christian workers. It's not just for the Billy Grahams. It's for you. Jesus speaks of rewards. Rewards are mentioned. Of course, those who pray publicly for attention and applause, that's their reward. Wow, you're such a good prayer person. Yay, there you go. That's your reward. You got it. But Jesus says if you pray... In the secret place. If you pray properly. Your father will reward you. Openly. By the way. The rewards of prayer. The rewards of prayer. You get to see God answer prayers. You'll see God answer prayers in ways like you never dreamed. He'll move in your life, through your life. You'll see him answer prayers in your church, in your community, in your family. It's been said, he who prays within his house surrounds it with a wall that is stronger than iron. You pray for your family. Ask your heavenly father to give you insight into your children. When you pray consistently, you'll grow in your knowledge, your personal knowledge of God. You will get to know Christ better. You will have an awareness of his presence in your life. And that will generate fruit and growth. Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Prayer is abiding in the vine. It's connecting with your Savior. It empowers you. Gives you confidence, gives you courage, it increases your faith. We read in the Old Testament when Moses would spend alone times in prayer with God in the tent, he'd exit the tent, and what was going on with his face? It was shining. There's a glow about the person who prays, it's real. The rewards are amazing. I heard about two pastors' wives. They were sitting together, mending their husband's pants. And one of them said to the other, my poor John, he's so discouraged in his church work. He said just the other day he was considering resigning. Seems nothing goes right for him. The other said, why, my husband was just saying the opposite. He's so enthused. It seems like the Lord is closer to him than ever before. 
A hushed silence fell as they continued to patch the trousers, one patching the seat and the other patching the knees. Consistent, honest prayer will change your life. It'll absolutely change your life. You dialoguing with your father. The rewards. I want you to notice a couple other details in verse 6. This stood out to me. I'd never seen this before. It's so beautiful. Verse 6, he says, when you go into your room, when you've shut the door, that word for room can mean like a closet, but it's also used in the Bible to speak of a storeroom. More specifically, a treasure house. Where the most priceless treasures are kept. Your private prayer time with the Lord is filled with treasures, priceless treasures, riches beyond belief. Treasures of God waiting for you in the prayer closet. It also says in verse 6, when you've shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, your heavenly father is in the secret place, and there he waits. There he waits. Now, we know that God is everywhere, right? But in a very real, wonderful way, your heavenly father waits for you in the treasure room. To give you riches beyond anything you could possibly imagine. Now and forevermore. Go get them. Go get them. If that's not a motivation enough. That our Heavenly Father. So I will say to you this morning in closing. Start praying. But don't do it as a religious checklist. Don't think of it as a religious exercise. Know what a privilege it is. And make use of that privilege. Amen. Father, we thank you for this beautiful passage. We thank you for the riches that you have for us, Lord. Lord, I do pray for your people that our, our prayer lives would blossom. They'd be renewed. Lord, thank you that you have time for us. Thank you that you want to do life with us every day. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, 
True prayer comes out of an intimate relationship with God through faith in Christ Jesus. Do you have that intimate relationship with God through faith in Christ Jesus? Have you become a child of God? The Bible says that we're all sinners and our sin separates us from God. But God in his grace and mercy sent his son who died on the cross for our sins and rose again. And you can place your faith and trust in him and your sins will be forgiven and you enter the family of God. And God becomes your heavenly father. And the lines of communication are open. Have you received Christ? Have you entered into the family of God? Do so right now if you haven't. Through a sincere, honest, open prayer of faith. In your heart, say something like this. Say, Lord, I need you desperately. I am a sinner, I freely confess. And I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins and rising again. Wash away all my sins, make me brand new, make me a child in your family and fill me with your spirit and I pray. That you'll enable me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name.